Laura, um, let's take a moment to pray. Lord, uh, we are here and it would be such a huge loss if we just showed up for church and didn't encounter you. But Lord, we've already begun to through the, through the music and the prayers and the scripture reading. And Lord, we ask that you'll just continue that now by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word. Uh, speak to us, move within us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're starting a new series called I Quit, and I want to give uh, my appreciation and give the credit to uh, Life Church in Oklahoma. Uh, they were the first to do this series and kind of make it available, and so we are among a number of churches that have uh, kind of making our own version of that series. Uh, now, today there's, a, there's an outline in your bulletin. Do you see the insert? I haven't done that in a while, so pull that out. You can follow along, and you'll see that near the top is our memory verse, Ephesians 4, 29, and if you've got that insert out, let's all say it together. Do not let any unwholesome, let me try it again, because I don't think I kind of went too soon. All right, everybody got it? All right, let's try it again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, to tell you where this is coming from, Ephesians 4 is about maturing spiritually and becoming more like Jesus. And when we belong to Jesus, we, we no longer live for greed and getting. We no longer give in to lustful pleasures. We no longer follow deceitful desires. Now, they may tempt us, and they will, but we count them dead to us because we are alive in Christ. So, because we are alive in Christ, instead of speaking falsely, we speak truthfully. Instead of lashing out, we show compassion. Because you belong to Jesus... Because you have new life in him, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, for maximum impact, say this verse out loud every day through the month of May. Parents, it would be a great idea, I think, to say it with your kids every day at mealtime. Just kind of recite it together or, or say it on, um, in the car on your way to school with them. Uh, and, and there may be times when you just want to remind each other, Ephesians 4.29. Or, or think about it before you post on social media, Ephesians 4.29. Or maybe when you find your conversation is drifting into an unhealthy direction, you go, oh, Ephesians 4.29. Now, I've listed this as a memory verse, and I know maybe some of you are saying, well, I'm not any good. I can't, I can't memorize Bible verses. And maybe you've been telling you that yourself, you've been using that excuse your whole life. But not today. Because today we're saying, I quit making excuses. Years ago, I knew a boy who had trouble pronouncing some words. And I, I remember hearing him tell his parents why he, he didn't do something that he was supposed to do. And he said, I forgot. Ever since then, forgot has, has come to be one of my favorite words. 
You can use it if you'd like as well. To me, fun got means I was having so much fun, I forgot what I was supposed to do. Uh, and I just think, isn't that great? Uh, I fun got. So, sorry, Mom, I, I, I was having so much fun playing video games that I, I forgot to poop scoot the yard. <laughs> I fun got. But all excuses, I mean, we have excuses, but not all excuses are bad, right? Some are valid excuses. Sometimes college students, uh, and I know we got a few college students here, you, you, you have to miss, a, uh, maybe you miss a, an exam or you, you know, maybe miss a deadline for a paper. What would you consider a valid excuse? Uh, well, for example, would, would, what about the death of a grandparent? Would, wouldn't you consider that a valid excuse? Um, one author says that some students claim to have been to the funerals of up to 10 grandparents during the course of their college careers. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Other students uh, are more subtle about it. They just say that they've had a family emergency. That, that's beautiful. As an excuse, uh, a family emergency, is, it's vague enough, and yet it sounds urgent and unavoidable. It is the perfect one-size-fits-all excuse. Now, please open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 14, and uh, starting with verse 16. If you didn't bring a Bible, you don't have one, there's a Bible in the pew rack, you can grab that one, and it's on page 1047 there. Uh, and by the way, if you don't own a Bible, if you personally don't own a Bible, just take that Black Pew Bible home with you. That way, now you have one, right? No excuses. Now, Jesus was an excuse buster, and in verse 16, you'll find it where it says, he kind of sets this story up saying that a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests, kind of like the couple of events we've had here this last week. The custom of the day was that as a, as a guest, you accepted the invitation knowing that the exact day and time would be announced later when everything is ready, but still, you promised to go. You promised to be there. And that's what we see happening in verse 17. The host sends a servant out to let all the guests know, everything's ready, y'all come. But then in verse 18, the story takes a turn. Will you look at that with me, verse 18? But they all alike began to, say it with me, began to what? Make excuses, right. And did you notice those excuses when Laura was reading it? Have you ever heard anything so lame in all your life? Uh, I bought a field. I'm going to go look at it. I mean, your friend has gone to great expense to prepare this fabulous feast. He probably killed the fatted calf, and now you're going to go look at a piece of dirt. All right. And, and what makes this excuse so bad, so absurd, is that no one would have bought a field without looking at it first. And it's the same with the one who bought, you know, five yoke, which would be ten oxen, and this farmer wants to go try them out. You wouldn't buy... 10 oxen without seeing how well they could plow. What a, what a flimsy excuse. It's like saying, well, you know, I, I'd like to come, but I just bought this new washing machine. I'm really excited to put a load in and see how it does. 
I mean, if you don't want to go, just say so. And then there's a couple who, who got married, yeah. Uh, we'd like to come, but you know, we had our wedding six weeks ago, and we're, we're tired. Well, I mean, what's that about? Now, on the outline that you have there, we start with this, and you can fill in the blanks as we go along. Excuses are my attempt to rationalize behavior and evade consequences. And we've all done it. Let's say it together, shall we? Excuses are my attempt to rationalize behavior and evade consequences. Um, I'm in a group, like a lot of you are. My group is a men's group. We meet at, uh, over lunch hour on Thursdays. And we've been talking for a while about serving lunch to the construction crew that are working here in the building someday. Well, the week before last, um, I was supposed to find out if last Thursday would work for them and then let all the guys in our group know. Well, then that, the, the next day on Friday, I forgot to ask. And then Monday is my day off, so I wasn't in. And then on Tuesday, a guy in my group even reminded me, and I said, yeah, I'm going to ask the construction superintendent today. But then I got started doing other stuff, and by the time I remembered, they were all gone. The crew was gone. So now it's Wednesday morning, and I still haven't asked. So I go to the, the superintendent, and, and he says, yeah, tomorrow's fine. We'll have lunch. So here I am, mid-morning on Wednesday, and I'm writing an email to my group about lunch, which is now the next day. And it's amazing the ideas that cross my mind. I could say, the construction superintendent just got back to me, which is technically true. <laughs> but it sounds like the delay was on his end, and um, I'm conveniently leaving out the fact that he got to me, back to me five minutes after I asked him. <laughs> oh, well. I, I could say, oh, you know, I, I just didn't have time yesterday because I was, I was so busy. Busy, 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 busy. It's one of the most popular excuses of all time. Now, did I really have a nonstop uh, day of back-to-back -back appointments? Not really. I could say that, well, I, I missed the superintendent yesterday, so I spoke to him this morning. And that also has the benefit of being technically true. I did miss him. But I missed him because I spaced it off. I am embarrassed to tell you that all of those excuses crossed my mind as I sat there on my laptop and began to think, how, what am I going to tell these guys? When we get into an awkward situation, our minds immediately start searching for excuses. We try to rationalize behavior and evade consequences. And sometimes we make excuses because we want to believe them. Because we want to believe them. Have you ever done this? You leave for an appointment oh, a little later than you intended to. Um, it now, you know, it's 5.38 and in normal, you know, normal rush hour traffic happening, just what you would expect. But still, you know, you're running late and so you're nervous and, and you, you're kind of aggravated by all these cars that are backed up and they're in front of you. And, and so you arrive 10 minutes late and what's the first thing you say when you walk in? Oh, 
oh, the traffic was terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, it was normal rush hour terrible traffic, but that's not really why you were late. And here's the kicker. Now, even you believe that's why you were late, right? You believe your own excuse. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? And why, why do we, why do we, uh, I, I, I'm going to, to illustrate, I'm going to play something on the piano for you. You didn't know that, did you? I've been practicing. You ready? All right. Now, you know, what, you know what that's called? You know what that's called in musical terms? It is called dissonance. That's when you get all kinds of notes that, you know, don't fit and blend together very well, and you, you pack them all in, and, and it kind of makes you feel uncomfortable a little bit. It's dissonance. And when your self-concept doesn't match your behavior, it creates what psychologists call cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is the uncomfortable feeling you get when you are false with yourself. So how do we try to relieve and resolve our cognitive dissonance? We make excuses. They make us feel better. But we're not being honest. Even with ourselves. Now, to let go of, your, of our excuses, uh, ask yourself a couple of questions. You'll see them there on the outline. The first one is, what does God want to be different about my life? And if you hear that, some of you go right away, you already know what it is. There, there's at least one thing you say, like, yeah, God says, I want this to be different. Um, and, and you know it's not because God is mad at you and scolding you. It's because he loves you, right? He wants the best for you. Maybe God wants you to serve in vacation Bible school this year, all right? Or maybe God wants you to invest spiritually in your children or your grandchildren. Or maybe God wants you to say, you know, you've been riding this emotional roller coaster long enough. It's time to go see a counselor. Or maybe God wants you to read all four Gospels this summer. Or maybe... God wants you to get out of debt. Get out of debt. Well, whatever it is, uh, you might think of something. Just write it down right now, would you? If something comes to your mind, anything, just, just write it, jot it down. And if you leave it blank, then we'll just assume that you're perfect and there's nothing that needs changing, all right? Congratulations. And the second question, though, is just as important. Why does God want this to be different? For example, uh, let's say you believe that God wants you to read all four Gospels this summer. Well, you've got great excuses for that, right? It's too hard. I fall asleep reading. It's boring. And besides, I don't have enough time. But now ask yourself, why, why would you attempt to read all four Gospels this summer? Well, so you can impress everybody at your faith walk group about how much you know about the Bible? Or maybe so that you can ask questions to stump the pastor? I hope not. 
The why is that Jesus wants you to know him. And wants you to, to know him and have a relationship with him on a daily basis. And, and that why motivates you to overcome your excuses. So now you go and you buy an easy reading translation or you get an audio Bible that you can listen to on your way to work or maybe you say, I'm just gonna, if, if the only way I can do this is to give up Facebook for the summer, I'll do it. So I have time. Maybe God wants you to get out of debt, but of course you got a lot of excuses for that, right? I mean, it's too hard. I stink at budgeting. I, I, we, we don't, I would, but we don't make enough money. And, you know, besides, my, my parents will, will bail us out if there's something we really need, you know? But ask yourself, why? Why does God want me to pay off my debts? Well, to improve uh, my credit rating so I can then start making payments on a new boat, right? Huh? Well, maybe not. Now, you might buy a boat someday, but... You see, God wants to develop in you this spirit-led self-control. Spirit-led self-control. And when you are out of debt, let me tell you, you are free. You are free to be generous. You are free to be uh, no longer a slave to the lender. And ultimately, I think, you get out of slay, you, you get out of debt to honor God. To honor God with the wealth he has entrusted to you. You see, when you answer the why, and you answer it, you really come to the answer that motivates you to overcome your excuses. And you say, okay, I, I'm going to sign up for Financial Peace University. Yeah. Or, uh, you, uh, you know, those, those credit cards, they tempt me every day. I'm going to cut them up. Or, you know, I'm going to find out somebody else, maybe here in our church, who's, who's done this already. They, they, they were in, sunk deep in debt, but they, they got out. I'm going I'm to find out how they did it. Going back to Jesus' parable, uh, the first round of guests as we saw, made excuses for not coming to the banquet. They, they had stuff to take care of, right? Fields, oxen, spouses. The more we have, the more excuses we make. Sometimes, right? But how many homeless people would turn down a free dinner at the Hilton? Not any that I know of. They'll be there. They're hungry. Their, their calendars are not crowded. And who did the host end up inviting to his banquet? Verse 21, if you still have your Bible open, you'll see it there. He invited the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. He knew they wouldn't give him excuses. So what happens when Jesus calls you? What happens when the Lord says, here's something, let's, let's make this different in your life. Let's start on it now. In the book of Exodus, the Lord wanted uh, Moses to abandon the shepherd's life that he had come to enjoy for so long and return to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. But Moses, did he, did he want to do it? No. 
He, he, and he had an excellent excuse. Moses said to the Lord, I, 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 I've never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. He's saying, Lord, don't pick me. I'm a terrible speaker. Uh, I remember one time Jerry Seinfeld quoted a study that said that the number one fear of Americans is public speaking. Remember that? And the number two fear is death. And he says that means that uh, at a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. So there you go. So what did God think of Moses' excuse? The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God loves using people who don't think they can do it. God loves using people who don't think they can do it. To me, I think this is what God thinks is fun, right? I mean, this is probably recreation in God. I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to work with this person. This is going to be great. That's why uh, the next idea in our outline is really an affirmation of faith. Because I believe in God, I quit making excuses. Let's say that together, shall we? Because I believe in God, I quit making excuses. I don't have the ability, but I believe in God. I'm not qualified, but I believe in God. I don't have the experience, but I believe in God. Jesus said that what is impossible with humans is possible with God. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Alcohol, cigarettes, pain meds, pot, the adrenaline rush you get from gambling. And sometimes you hate it. And sometimes you hate yourself for it. Addiction creates all kinds of cognitive dissonance. And that leads to excuses. I can't change. Because I tried it once. And I, and I, and I failed. I, I can't change because, do you know how stressful my work is? I can't change because, hey, I can't, I can't afford treatment. I, I, can't I can't change because it's genetic. My dad had the same problem. I can't change, but it's really not that bad. Because I believe in God, I quit making excuses. It's really, I think, an underlying truth of this 12-step program, and so is this. I will do what I can do and trust God to do what I cannot do. Kind of sounds like the serenity prayer, doesn't it? And God will give you the wisdom to know the difference. You know, a lot of people say, you know, they're, they're dealing with something. They say, well, I prayed about it once and didn't help. Let me tell you, that is not faith. That is an excuse. 
Sometimes you're going to have to pray about it a lot over a long period of time, and sometimes God's going to ask you to do more than pray. You have to do your part and trust God to do his part. There are people here this morning who have learned that. There are people here this morning who have an addiction for alcohol that are no longer drinking. And they and God and the others around them are helping to rebuild that life. There are people here this morning who have an addiction to pornography who are no longer viewing it or engaged in it. And they and God are rebuilding their lives. There are people here this morning who are victims of abuse and they've been victims all their lives and now they and God are rebuilding that life. They do what they can do. They go to counseling. They've been to treatment. They go to recovery meetings. They confess their sins. They make amends. They get to know Jesus on a daily basis and be with people who are doing the same. And they trust God to do what they cannot do. So, what about you? What's your excuse? We all have them, don't we? It seems appropriate before communion to begin with a time of confession. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then I'm going to give you some silence where you can bring to God your own confession. Let's pray. Lord, we confess to you that we are people who find it so easy to fall back on excuses. We, it seems like they pop into our minds instantly and, and they, people have been this way going back, clear back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Oh Lord, we wanna live by faith instead of hiding behind excuses. Lord, we don't think it's your intention to, to punish us for them. But Lord, you, you want to lead this, you want to lead us in a new way, a new path. And so, Lord, we have to confess them. We have to confess to you the excuses, the dishonesty that we've had to ourselves, to you and to others. And so now we'll take a moment for each of us to pray. Oh, Lord, you, you hear us. We uh, bring our sins before you. We lay our excuses down before you. And we say, Lord, we're going to need your help if we're going to get past these. Jesus, you have given us new life, and we belong to you, and we are ready to let go of these excuses that have been holding us back for so long. 
Jesus, we remember the night in which you had a meal with your disciples. At one point in the meal, you took bread and you blessed it and you broke it and you gave it to them, Jesus, and you said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. And then you took the cup and you gave thanks and then you gave it to them and you said, drink from this, all of you. It's my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you drink this, remember me. And so, Jesus, today we remember you. Not only do we remember you, but we want to experience you in the bread and the cup. We ask that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and juice that they may be for us the body and the blood of Christ. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As um, our communion servers prepare, let me tell you a few things about communion today. Uh, first of all, 